let us uh, turn again to John 8. John 8. And I'll be reading verses 41 through 47. John 8, 41 through 47. Hear the word of God. John chapter 8, verses 41 through 47. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, From God, nor myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me? Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Amen. Amen. If you remember from last week, the issue Jesus addressed was the descent of the Jews he is speaking to here. And in essence, the Jews declared their descent by their deeds. They were not, in fact, children of Abraham. Spiritually, their spiritual descent, of course, because naturally they were. And Jesus admits it. Yes. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, he says. But Abraham is not their father, because if he was their father, they would do the works of Abraham. Now this is, note here, uh, um, two things. I was going to say more than two, but just two, to keep in mind. The first is this, is that now, Jesus is going to tell them who their father is. So last week the issue was, their lineage, their, their descent. And it was all had to do with, ex, um, we will receive the blessings of Abraham and we are his children because externally we descend from him. Another thing, but, but conversely, what Jesus said is you're not his children because you don't do the works that Abraham did. And works are visible. Vis, uh, faith was visible in the life of Abraham. You could see that he was uh, imperfect, but he was a believer. You could see it. And he's saying, it's not evident in your life that you do the works of Abraham because you do not believe in me. In this passage, what Jesus is going to address is he's going to tell them who their father is, the devil. They are children of the devil. And the reason he gives is because there is an affection towards him that they're lacking, and it's love. So here's, this is now internal. Of course, faith is an issue of, uh, of the heart. It's internal, but it's manifested. And now love for Jesus, of course, it's manifested and present, but now what he's focusing upon are the issues of the heart. You don't love me. That 
makes it clear that you are children of the devil in light of what Jesus is doing. And we'll see what that is here shortly. The Jews reveal their descent by their refusal to listen to the word of God. They are children of the devil because they refuse to hear the truth. Our ability to believe the truth, to live in light of the truth, reveals whether we are children of God. Our ability to believe it, our ability to obey it, to embrace it, to love it, does not make us children of God. But it reveals if we are. So, Jesus says to them, here's something that you have to pay attention to. I think this is the most important verse in in, uh, verses 41 through 46 is this statement. Jesus says, which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? It's not necessarily because he points to a sinlessness, which he does here, but primarily what he's doing is he's saying, you have no reason, you have no reason to disbelieve in me. So, now, he says to them, you do the deeds of your father. You do the works of your father. What you're doing, your actions reveal to me that you have a different father. And he's not Abraham. And what is that action? It's an action of the heart. But look at their response. We were not born of fornication. We have one father. Now, as early as origin, very early church father, uh, they believe, uh, authors believe that this is sort of like a jab at Jesus, you know? And that might be there, of course. It's a jab at him because everybody knows Joseph isn't his dad, you know? That could be there. But um, in light of the discussion that's happening here, um, I, this is what I think is, is, is uh, closer to the intention of their statement. I'm not saying that's not there completely, but I think this is what's closer. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel is called the Son of God. So in Exodus 4.22, the Lord himself says it. He's speaking to Pharaoh by means of Moses, and the Lord says, Israel is my son, my firstborn. That was the relationship that God had with the nation. The nation of Israel was his firstborn. Born son. Um, So, God is our father. That's what they say here. We are not born of fornication. We have one father. God is our father. And this issue of fornication, what do they mean by that, by being born of fornication? I think the idea is idolatry. Idolatry and adultery, so spiritual adultery is idolatry. And they're basically saying, we're not idolaters. We have one father, and that father is God. Listen to Hosea, how God, which, you know, the Jews, they're very forgetful about their scriptures when it's convenient. But look at what Hosea, the Jews that Jesus is dealing with in John Uh, Look at Hosea chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, and see how this interaction plays out between uh, God and his people through the prophet Hosea. 
The reason I believe they are talking about not being idolaters, first and foremost, is because they make a reference to their paternity, being children of God. And this is, God even affirms it. We saw that from Exodus. But second is that the Old Testament makes it very clear. This is what we'll see from Hosea, is that spiritual, that idolatry is spiritual adultery. So Hosea 2, 2 through 5. Bring your charges against your mother. Bring your charges. For she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. And remember the book, the way that the book of Hosea plays out, right? Hosea is told to marry a harlot to illustrate the relationship between Israel and God and how Israel had gone into uh, whoredom. They've broken covenant with him and they've become spiritual adulterers. So this is in, in that context. Let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. Let lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the days she was born and make her like a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. This, of course, is reminiscent to that section in Ezekiel. I believe is Ezekiel 16 where he finds this baby in its blood in a field and he raises the baby and he in essence, beautifies the baby and the baby becomes marriageable and he marries this baby, right? As She's a woman. And it's all an illustration. It's not, you get it. It's Israel. Verse four, I will not have mercy on her children for they are children of harlotry. Whose children? Israel's children. Who are Israel's children? Who are the Jews? For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. And this is exactly what was going on in Malachi, right? I'm not going to worship God anymore. Because God is giving all of these good things to all of the pagans who live around me. So I'm going to go live like a pagan and commit spiritual adultery. So they are saying to Jesus, we're not idolaters. We're the children of God. And what they have in mind is this idea of spiritual adultery. Adultery, that's what's in the background. But now notice what they say to Jesus also in verse 48. John, Methuselah, 848. <laughs> John 848. Uh, then the Jews answered and said to him, do we not rightly say that you are Samaritan, a Samaritan and have a demon? You're, the, you're an idolater. You're an idolater. Is that, we're, that's what we think. They just believed in him a few verses before. Remember, that's how this discussion started. And many of them believed in him. And Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples. And now they're saying, we think you have a demon. Why? Because he's confronting their external religion. 
He's, he's coming head on with it. They're saying, we're not idolaters. That's what this statement is about. We have one father, and that father is God. And it's in light of them saying they are not idolaters that Jesus said to them, you're sons of the devil himself. That's what you are. Listen to what he says. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. So what Jesus is saying, here is proof that you are children of the devil, that God is not your father. And for us, personally, we can see what's a sign that I'm, what are the signs, at least Jesus gives us a sign here, that I'm a child of God, or maybe I'm not a child of God. Here's a sign or evidence, or a declaration. A sign that a person is a son of God, or uh, let's take it back to last Sunday. The sign that a person is a son of Abraham is that he does the works of Abraham. Right? He believes in God. Another one is that you, your affections are rightly ordered, particularly towards God and towards those, uh, and Jesus. We'll start there. Your affections ought to be rightly ordered. Huh? Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians sixteen twenty two: If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, be anathema, uh, let him in, in, a, in the mildest way as possible, let him go to hell. That's what Paul says. If you do not love the Lord Jesus. And there's an if then in this verse, right? If, if. Verse 42, if God were your father, then you would love me. For I came from God. Look, all of our, uh, we talked a little, yeah, we talked about this earlier, right? But all of our friendships, all of the relations that we have are based upon some kind of union that we have with a person, right? We love our husbands, we love our wives, we love our children, we love our friends, we love our, because there is some kind of a relationship, some connection, Right? They're yours. And, you know, let's say some relative from your country shows up one day and he's got all of this evidence that he's related to you. Immediately, you love that person, right? He's got all these pictures of your grandparents and with them and like, it's unbelievable. You don't even know them, but what's the connection? There's some union with this person. But basically what Jesus is saying is that you are, the, you are not the children of God because you do not love the Son of God. That's his point. He's not talking about eternal generation in this verse. I proceeded and came forth from the Father. What he's talking about is <clears throat> that in um, time and space, the Son of God entered the world. 
This is the fulfillment of all of the promises in the Old Testament, right? So Isaiah 6 and 9 and everywhere else that God said that he would send the Messiah. This is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about the incarnation. He comes directly from God and he is revealing God. I am the light of the world, he says at the beginning of this chapter. I am declaring the truth of God and you couldn't care the least bit. It doesn't matter to you. You live however you want, and you treat me however you want. You say all manner of evil things about me. You can, you can say things about Christ without muttering a word. By the way that you live. It's evidence. It's all proof. Anyone who does not love Jesus is not a child of God. I proceeded forth and came from my father, nor have I come, so positively, I came from him, and I didn't come on my own. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. You're saying you're the children of God, but God, who you say is your father, he is the one who sent me. I am his representative on earth, and you are doing with me whatever you want. You give me no honor. This is a proof positive that a person is not a child of God. What do you do with Jesus? What do you do with him? What place? Does he have in your life? Is he like, uh, you know, a pin? You know, Logan has a little pin back there of something on his jacket usually. Is he like that? You know, like just a little cross necklace, kind of a talisman, right? I remember when I was unconverted, whenever we walked by or drove by a Catholic church, you would do the sign of the cross. You remember that? Yeah. Is that how Jesus is for you? He's just a token, really. He's just a... But there is no... There is no effect of knowing him and loving him at all. And then he says this. Now here's an indication that this sign is missing, that love for Jesus is missing. There's no love for Jesus in your life. How do, how do you know? Here's one bit of evidence. Why do you not understand my speech? He's not saying he has an accent, right? That's not what he's talking about. Jesus did not have a southern Galilean accent that was difficult for these Jews to understand. One of the effects of loving someone is that you hear their words and you understand them. So in Song of Solomon, it says this, Song of Solomon 2.14, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet. Right? And that's a picture of lovers, right? But that's also the picture of the soul, and it says that to God. I want to hear your voice, because your voice to me is sweet, and not audible nonsense. Here, I want to understand this word. This word to me is sweet, because this word, not to romanticize it, but as a means of illustration, is a love letter from a God who loves his people. 
And there ought to be a great desire to hear his voice in this word. And part of the reason, so there's two parts here, maybe three, but I'll go with two. There's two parts to why sometimes you don't understand the sermons here. Part of it is me. <laughs> and the other part is because you don't know this word. You, just, you don't know it. You don't spend any time in it. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, effort in trying to understand it. That's why it's so boring to you. And that is evidence that you don't love the one who gave you this word and the one who this word reveals. Jesus says this to Nicodemus. He's talking to Nicodemus at night in John 3.10, and he says, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? This is what Jesus means by understand here. You don't have a grasp of the things that I'm saying to you, that, that the Spirit is the one who gives people life, that it's, it's not a matter of flesh and blood, but it's spiritual regeneration that is necessary for a person to enter the kingdom of heaven? You don't understand that? You don't know it? You can't comprehend these truths, Nicodemus? Are you not the teacher of Israel? And, and listen here. You are not able to listen to my word. Some of your translations uh, says, say you cannot hear my word or you cannot bear to hear my word. This has nothing to do with uh, like physiological hearing. It's not that they had a problem with their eardrums either. right? So it's not his accent. It's not their eardrums. The, the point is that they do not or cannot accept his teaching. They cannot hear and respond appropriately. This is evidence that you're not a Christian. You don't love Jesus because you don't hear and respond appropriately. You know, as an aside, that's evidence that you may not love your husband either when he talks to you and you just don't care. It's also evidence you may not love your wife or your children or your parents. But here it's definitely a mark that they didn't love him because they could not accept what he was saying. And he came from God. And God sent him, who's supposed to be their father. So, if my kids are playing outside, right, they're all running around, they're in the woods, they're in the neighbor's house, they're all over the place, and I send Eliah. I say, Eliah, go tell them to, you know, come back. Right? And they start pelting Eliah with rocks, right? <laughs> Besides getting in trouble for hitting him with rocks. Have they despised Eliah or their father? And when a person rejects Jesus, you despise God. That's the point he's making. Couldn't be any clearer. In Psalm 58, 4, speaking of the people, it, the psalmist writes, Their poison is like the poison of serpents. They are like the deaf cobra that stops its ear, which will not heed the voice of charmers, charming ever so skillfully. For the believer, when he hears the words of Jesus, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world, if the believer doesn't understand it, he wants to know what that means. Those words come from the charmer par excellence, and you're charmed by what he says, and you want to know what he's saying. You want to understand, and even if you don't quite understand it, you want, you, you, you want to uh, 
pray, look at other passages of the Bible, maybe uh, some Bible teacher to come and help you in the form of a book or a sermon or a conversation because you want to know his word. Jeremiah, again rebuking the people, says, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Think about it. When was the last time you were just with uh, your friends and you actually talked about the Bible? You just open the word. Oh man, you know what? I was reading. I was reading the other day this thing, and it was just so interesting to me that this promise is here, or that man, I was really rebuked, or you know, I learned this thing about God. And when was the last time that happened? Verse forty-four: You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. Not you're forced. Right? He's, he's, you're not like a puppet. He's got his hand through the back of your head and he's making you say and do things. Control. You want to do it. It's, it's coming out of your heart. And the desires of your father you want to do. Um. I don't know why a number of translations miss this, but um, really, so so he says to them, um, um, in John 8, he says to them, Jesus says to them, um, in verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. And that's the same language he uses here when he says you are of your father, the devil. I don't know why translations do that because that's a particular Greek word and it means uh, from. You are from your father, the devil. And I think what he's doing is he's making a comparison or some, there's some kind of relationship there where he is showing them that I come from God, you come from the devil. That's where you come from. their actions. That little preposition emphasizes source or the origin of a person. And they want to do the desire of their father. This is what God promised would happen in the garden too. In Genesis 3.15, what does he say? I will put enmity between you and the woman, the serpent and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. This is just a fulfillment of what God promised. God said in his word that this would happen. But who would have known that it would have been from the very nation of Israel and today in churches that that would become, these places would become dens of vipers. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth Because there is no truth in him. He says three things about him, about the devil, about their father. He was a murderer. And in essence, this is their Their genealogy is all of the blood of the prophets. From, from, From Abel 
all the way through to Christ, what have they done? They have been murderers. They've killed. In 1 John, Cain is like the, uh, you know, you have the first Adam, right? That's Adam himself in Genesis. The first son of the devil is Cain, who kills his brother and then lies about it. He's envious and he's, he's prideful because God is pleased with his brother's offering. And you know what he does? He is so prideful and angry that he murders his brother. And then when God comes to him, what does he do? I don't know where he is. He lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. And how does he do it, right? The devil, you will not surely die. He's a liar. And in that act, he brought death into the world. In uh, Jewish writing between the New Testament, uh, they, um, the Jews had uh, this to say. Through the devil's envy, death entered the world. It was through his envy. And you see it in Cain. And you see it in every other person. The, the reason why you hate people, the people that you do hate, if you hate people, is because you envy them. That's why you don't like them. There's something about them that you, you see, and I'll use the language of Malachi, you see them, you may not say it this way, but you think, wow, they're blessed. And I wish they weren't. I wish I had that. And because I don't, I'm going to hate them for it. I think it's, you know, some kind of proverb. I don't know. But this man was, I don't know what country is what I'm saying, Chinese or Irish or I don't know, some kind of proverb, right? But um, 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 a guy is granted one wish. Any wish. He, he desires. And uh, he says, you know, any strings attached or anything else? He says, well, here's the one thing. Whatever you wish for, the person you hate most gets double. So he says, okay, that's easy. Make me blind in one eye. And that's how we tend to live our lives if the love of God has not been poured out in our hearts. This absolute hatred for people where, you, you know, uh, people give themselves ulcers and high blood pressure for the sake of hating somebody. <laughs> Sin entered the world through the lie of the devil. We should be angry with the devil. That's the kind of people we should be. And um, when people are angry with Christians, you know, they do all kinds of stuff. They'll show up to your church and record you talking about homosexuality. They'll come and they'll try to have a homosexual marriage in your, in your chapel and sue you when you don't want to do it. Like they, they are actively hating Christians. You know what Christians do? Instead of hating the devil, they just stay home. Watch Netflix, you know, conservative news. And just get filled up with hate, you know, they just blood pressures through the roof, angry with everyone and everything. But they're not actively working 
right? Jesus Christ came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. And we should be there with him, destroying the work of the devil. And because of Satan, in Adam, all die. So those of you who, who uh, well, we could do this both ways. Um, all of your children, all of your children were, were born in sin because of the devil. Because he tempted Adam and Eve and they fell for it. And all of your children are fallen because of that. Born fallen. The reason why you suffer with all of the diseases and sicknesses that you do is because sin entered the world. Now, of course, God stands behind all of that. But the devil is to blame also. In Romans, Paul puts it this way, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, through Adam sin entered the world. But who was the culprit who tempted him? It was the devil. And people live... You know, and they, they, there's no hostility against the devil. We, uh, Spurgeon said this, we tempt the devil to tempt us by being idle, by doing nothing. So Jesus says, why? He says, you are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. And there what he means is he doesn't maintain or uphold or accept the validity of the truth of God's word. Of course there are, um, and now I'm, bar I'm borrowing from Aquinas here. But he says there, Aquinas writes that there are truths in two kinds. There's truth of the word, and there is truth of action. So there's true works that we can do and true words that we can speak. And when we talk about true words, so the devil doesn't, what we're thinking about is he, he doesn't abide in the truth. Or um, the way Jesus says it here, he doesn't stand in the truth. And what does he mean by that? What does he mean that the devil doesn't stand in the truth? Well, you could do that two ways, words or deeds. So the truth of words consists in saying things that are true. The devil, the devil says things that are true, but not truthfully. You can speak the truth to deceive. And he definitely does that. Next, truth, uh, the truth of words also consists in a person saying what he feels in his heart and what is reality. So, for example, Paul says, that, and you might think, well, well, I don't know, what's in our heart is corrupt. That's not the point. It's along the lines of Ephesians 4.25. Paul writes, therefore, putting away falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor. That's what he means, right? That what you say is truth. How are you feeling? Really crummy. I feel really crummy. I'm just tired and my knees hurt, you know. <laughs> right? That's speaking the truth. 
there's also truth in deeds, right? Which is practicing righteousness, John 3, 21. The devil does neither. He doesn't stand for the truth, for anything true. His, his, what he says and how he acts are completely opposed to God. Speaking, the, speaking of this truth, our Lord says in the truth, namely, the truth of righteousness. The devil does not stand in the truth because he abandoned the order of his nature, which was that he be subject to God. So when you don't say the truth, and when you don't live the truth, you're acting like the devil. That's not how God made you. God did not make you to act contrary to his will. But that is a perfect picture of the devil. And of course, this is um, we are puffed up with pride. That is why we do this. Listen to the, the words of, in Isaiah 12, I didn't know it was 1240. <laughs> well, let's not go to Isaiah 12. I, let me spare, spare, spare you all. In Isaiah 12, uh, 14, 12 and following, you have a picture there of the king of Babylon and how he exalts himself. And then in that same context, he's called Lucifer. Why? Because the pride of man, when he exalts himself above God so that he doesn't stand in righteousness and he doesn't speak righteousness, is the sin of the devil. Pride itself. Whenever you see it. So Peter says to Jesus, you're not going to get crucified. Get behind me, Satan. You're, You're talking like the devil and you want me to act contrary to the will of my father. I want nothing to do with you. When he speaks, he speaks a lie because he speaks of his own resources. Of his own resources is a weird way to translate this. Some of your translations say something like he speaks of his own nature or he speaks out of his own character. And that is true. He's the father of lies, so he speaks lies. He speaks lies. And he seeks to kill. But, verse 45, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Jesus is speaking the truth, and because they are children of the devil, you know what they do with it? It's contrary to their existence. They don't want any of it. They don't want anything to do with it. They want to turn completely away from it. They don't want to accept what he is saying. Why? Because of their nature. That's the issue. It's the nature. He who is of God hears God. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. You do not respond to God. You do not respond to his words because you don't have the ears to hear him. He talks, um, he talks a particular language. And you don't know it. And you don't understand it. Because you are not his children. So, brothers and sisters, let us uh, rejoice that God has revealed himself to us. Those of you who are here, if um, you don't know the Lord, if uh, you do not delight in his word, and if you do not love his son, cry out to him. 
speak that very truth to God and say, I don't love your son and I'm not delighted in your word and I ought to be. Grant me faith to believe in him and repentance to turn from my sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this time in your word and we ask, Lord, that you would please in each one of us, Lord, uh, work so that we would love your son. In his name we pray, amen.